Thank you, Tony. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, come and to be uh, with you as a congregation here at Bobby Branch. First time I've been here, and it's a joy, you know, to be able to uh, be present with you. I'll get this going here in a second. My subject, of course, is that of encouraging leaders. And I think leaders need to be encouraged because of the vast responsibility that is placed upon them in a congregation of the Lord's people. As was read in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse uh, 38, Joshua, of course, took over the leadership after Moses had uh, uh, been carried up on the mountain, or would be, you know, and he would be able to look over into the promised land but not be able to go into that promised land. Joshua then would be a leader. He needed to be encouraged. It's a vast responsibility to be a leader, and especially when we think about being a leader in the Lord's body, the church of our living God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And God designed, of course, the church to have good leaders. And it's always a blessing when you're working in a congregation of, of God's people where there are good leaders. I'm talking about men, you know, that take that responsibility seriously and are willing, you know, to do their best, you know, to lead a congregation in the way that God wants them to go. A group of men who trust God, who trust in Him. And not only that, but they trust in the wisdom that God is able to grant to them and the judgments that God gives to us and submit to God's direction and guidance, of course, as it is given to them by the Holy Scriptures that God has given to us by inspiration. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, now you notice in that that Peter says, The elders who are among you I exhort, who am also a fellow elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Now I'm reading this section here from the New King James Version. The next verse, though, is a key verse, I think, that we need to think about just uh, a moment here at least. When uh, Peter says in the King James Version, he said, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, and not of filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. The New King James says, Shepherd the flock of God. Now when you think about it, feeding is one thing, but shepherding is something else. Uh, you know, when you think about feeding sheep, well, you go out and feed them, but that's all that's done, it seems like. But when you think about shepherding a flock of sheep, there's more involved in shepherding than there is just in feeding, you know, a flock of people. Now, Peter says, I'm also an elder. And he's encouraging elders here and leaders in a congregation here to take that uh, oversight, you might say, be sure that you are shepherding the flock of God, which you, which, which the Holy Spirit has put you over, and you do it uh, by taking the oversight. And it's not by constraint, but you do it willingly. In other words, if you are pushed into it, I don't think it's really going to do a lot. I think you have to have men, leaders, you know, that are willing to take that position in the Lord's body, and they're willing, you know, to serve in that in that fashion. Not for filthy lucre, as he uses the term but, he says, of a ready mind. Then you go over to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. And the apostle Paul, you remember, had called the elders together, and he was talking to them about some things that were very important and laid upon his heart and mind. When he was said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. 
Now, as you read the rest of that context there, you know Paul goes on to say that when he departs, there will be grievous wolves will enter in among them, not sparing the flock. Even, he says, from among your own selves will men rise up and will actually destroy the congregation or a flock of people. It's important, you see, that we take heed to the things that, that the Apostle Paul says and what the Apostle Peter is saying as well. And it is an encouragement. I think Paul was encouraging these elders here uh, from Ephesus, you know. He was encouraging them in their responsibility to provide what, it needs to, what they need to provide. Number one, feed the flock or shepherd the flock. Number two, you take the oversight. You're overseers over a flock of people. Now, you have a large, pretty large congregation here. And I know that it's somewhat difficult a lot of times for elders, you know, to be in touch with every single member, you see, that might be in a congregation. I don't know how many elders you have, but if you have several, then it makes it much easier, of course, to be able to get to know individuals in the congregation. That would be some things we want to talk about a little bit tonight. So we can see from at least these two passages of Scripture here that leaders in the Lord's Church are to be like shepherds over a flock, you see, of sheep, so to speak, in that sense. Now, most people today do not know the relationship between a shepherd and also his sheep. And when we're in Ireland, you know, for the three years, a lot of sheep are raised in Ireland, also in New Zealand, of course, as well. And uh, I have been in certain places, you know, in Ireland where there would be what we would consider like a shepherd over those sheep. And he was taking care of them. He's overseeing them and seeing, you know, that they were taken care of in the manner that would be best and more and most beneficial to the individual sheep that was there for his own benefit as well. And so we find that. I had the privilege of growing up on a farm back down in Marshall County. And my grandfather, I can remember my grandfather had a flock of sheep. So I'm a little bit familiar, you know, with some of the things in regards to that. And I can remember several things about caring, really, for sheep. Biblically, though, God has given us the information that we need to be good leaders in, you see, the Lord's body. Things that we need to practice, things that we need to put into action. I think in John chapter 10 is one of these places to go. And also in Psalm 23, although I know Psalm 23, talking about the Lord is my shepherd, you know. But as leaders in a congregation, you're under shepherds, under the chief shepherd, as Peter would say also. And so these two passages of Scripture, I believe, is, is a, a, a place that we're able to go to learn some things, perhaps, that will help in encouraging leadership in a local congregation of God's people. So from these two places of script, in Scripture, we can see the need, I believe, first of all, or one of the things, for a personal relationship. A shepherd has a personal relationship in a congregation with the members of a local congregation where they serve, you see, as shepherds over that flock. Now, I encourage leaders to get to know the flock over which you are, you see, overseers. And I think that is indicated in the scriptures as we see. The, to, meet the need, to, to meet with new members, so for instance. In other words, those who are being baptized into Christ. And not only that, but those who may be wishing to place membership with a congregation, I think elders need, you know, to get to know them and to meet with them perhaps, to find out what their situation is. 
and to explain what is expected, you might say, of them as members of a local congregation of God's people. To let them know that you are available to help them and to give them spiritual guidance in the Word of God. And again, it gets back to what we said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, and also Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, as Paul and also Peter encourages elders of the Lord's church. They need to understand, I'm talking about members, need to understand that you are, a, you are to watch for their souls. Now, that is a big responsibility in you. When you really stop and think about it, when you have a congregation of, of this size, say for instance, that is a, a big responsibility. Now, the smaller the congregation is, maybe it lessens it a little bit in some way. But nevertheless, the responsibility is still there. The, the scriptures still are saying you are a person or individuals who are watching out for every member in the body of Christ. You notice what Paul says, or what the writer says, really, if it was Paul, I'm not sure, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. We said, obey them that have the rule over you. That's talking about the members, of course, in regard to the leadership in a congregation. We are to obey them that have the rule over us and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls. Why is that? As they mu that must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. You notice in that passage here, and we encourage elders in this sense here to continue to watch over the souls of people, watching out for the flock, seeing each member and, and knowing each member and being acquainted with each member and seeing what their needs are a lot of times is important. And so in order for this, you see, to happen, leaders must take opportunities to get to know each member of a flock better so a personal relationship can be and will be perhaps established. And I think that is good. When, when you are making yourself available to the members of the congregation, they get to know you. They get to know you as a person. They get to know who you are. And that's, that's the reason we need, to, we need to know that. We need to know our leadership. And we encourage elders, you know, to get to know the members so that they likewise will get to know you even much better. So leaders must maybe visit in homes, getting to know people. What is a better place than going to visit in homes so you get to know the people, you get to know their families, and you have a relationship with them as a result of that. And it solidifies that relationship that elders would have with members of the body, you see, of Christ in a local congregation. You know, the Bible says the qualification, really, of elders was that leaders are to be a lover of hospitality, uh, Titus 1 and verse 8. Or given to hospitality. 1 Timothy chapter 3, you know, in verse 2. As Paul gives the qualifications of a, leader, a leadership in a local congregation of God's people. So it is important that you know the members of the congregation. I encourage elders to get to know every member in a local congregation. They, in, in return... They will know you, and they'll know you care about them and about their soul and about their well-being. In John chapter 10, in verse 3, the Bible says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Three things that he makes mentions of here in this verse. They hear his voice, 
He calls them by name and he leads them out. And we'll be talking about that. So leaders need to know each person's name, I think, best they possibly can. Now, I understand, in a congregation where there's a large congregation, it's somewhat difficult a lot of times to get to know, you know, everybody by name. But try your best. I encourage you to try your best to get to know people where you can call them by their name. Someone said that nothing sounds sweeter to a person than hearing their name called. And I think that's true in most cases, at least. And people, I think, will appreciate that. Members will appreciate you for this as well. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, again, the writer is Paul, and Paul says, and he's again talking to Christians to begin with, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now, how are they going to get to know you? Well, again, it gets back to the point in matter. Leaders getting to know each member will cause members to esteem you very highly for your work as a leader in a congregation. I appreciate men who take the responsibility of being an elder or elders in a congregation of God's people. And I think Tony does too. We appreciate that because... They are men that are guiding us. They're giving us, you see, the direction that we really need. And they're seeing, you know, that you're being fed the word, you see, of God on a regular basis. Because it's being fed that word is what's going to cause a congregation to flourish, to grow, build your faith up, and cause you to be strong in the faith and to overcome a lot of difficulties sometimes that we have in life. Second thing we'll look at. Let me encourage leaders to look at the needs of each member of the flock. Now, the psalmist said, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Verse 2. A shepherd is concerned about each sheep in the flock. If one is sick or lame or some other problem, he wants to try to do his best to care for that one and to see to its needs. A leader of the Lord's flock is concerned about the spiritual need of every member in that local congregation. Because you're over this congregation, not over another one. You're over this congregation. And each soul that's here, each person that is a member of the body of Christ, you're concerned. Let me encourage you to be concerned, and I'm sure you are about the spiritual needs of each member of a local congregation. There's also an emotional need of the shepherd. Dr. William Glasser said that all human beings have two fundamental needs, to love and to be loved and to feel a sense, you see, of worth. And I think each member in a congregation needs to be loved and to feel a sense, you see, of worth, that they are valuable to the congregation. And elders, I encourage elders, you see, to let individuals or, or your congregation know that they are valuable to the local congregation. Because each member, each member has a function just like our bodies. And you have each uh, different members of the body, but it makes it function like it's supposed to. And when we are considering each member of the congregation and we're 
saying you are worth something to the congregation here, it's going to help the congregation be strong, to be dedicated, and to know that they are needed and that they are value, great value to the congregation. There is a need for each member of the flock to be encouraged and refreshed, a lot of times in a spiritual uh, sense. And let me encourage leaders to sometimes stand, maybe before the congregation, and express you know, appreciation to the congregation to encourage them in their spiritual growth. And also to let them know that if there's anything that you're able to do that can assist them or to help them in any way from a spiritual standpoint perhaps, most of all, to let you know because you're here as a leader in the congregation to do your best to try to encourage and try to get people in a right relationship with God and continue in a right relationship with God. Now the shepherd says, or the psalmist said, a good shepherd restores the soul. Verse 3. Now, we must remember that some people may grow weary in well-doing. Galatians 6 and verse 9. It happens. It happens in every congregation, no matter where it might be, that there are some, you know, that's going to grow weary even in well-doing. And they're going to become faint. They're going to become weak, you might say. And their faith may become weak. And they need to be encouraged. And leaders in a congregation, since you are a shepherd over the flock, need to know that you try to do your best to help them out of those kinds of weariness and, and problems that they may be dealing with that will destroy their faith, cause them to become weak in their faith. You want to help them to become stronger. You remember the song that we sing sometimes? Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain. I think that can happen within a congregation. And when you have good elders, then they're going, you see, to understand that, yes, there's going to be some discouragement within the members of a congregation. And they may think that their work, you know, is in vain. Whatever it is that they may be involved in may think their work is in vain. They need to be, you see, encouraged. Leaders need to encourage men. It could be financial problems. And that happens within congregations sometimes. Maybe it is the loss of a job. That's going to create some financial problems. It may be family problems with any local congregation and spiritual problems. And they become discouraged. And any one of those particular things can be a disturbing or be disturbing to the soul of that individual. And they need your help. They need your assistance. They need your leadership to help them to pull through those difficulties and problems that they may encounter. And those in these situations need to know that they're loved and that they can call on you as a leader to give a listening ear at any time and perhaps even to give counseling to them. And if you're not able to do that, then I know you would find somebody who is capable of giving the right kind of counsel. And leaders want to do that. They want to help as much as they possibly can each member of a local congregation. It could be a spiritual problem, couldn't it? And there are spiritual problems a lot of times. And they need to be restored. I mean, it may be a spiritual problem in the sense I'm talking about that they have maybe left the congregation, gone astray. They have erred in the, erred in the faith. And they need to be restored because perhaps, you know, it's of a shipwrecked faith. 
You remember Paul talked about that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, when he said that they, Hymenaeus and Alexander, had made shipwreck of their faith, and he delivered them unto Satan that they might learn not to blaspheme. Well, they needed, you see, to come back. They need to be back in a right relationship with God. And if you as eldership, as a leaders in a congregation, see that there's those spiritual problems, I think you have a responsibility, along with others, of course. But you have a responsibility to try to do your best to bring them back into a right relationship with God. You do your best in trying to restore them back into a right relationship you see with God. Or one who has is departing from the faith. Hebrew writer talks about Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13, you know. Talking about the Israelites, how that they had departed from the faith and became unbelievers, you might say. And he said, don't you be like that. But there are people who become unfaithful. And you have it. You have it in congregation. And again, when elders or leadership are looking out over the souls of people, they have the responsibility to try to do what they can to bring that individual or individuals back into a right relationship with God. If one sheep is lost, it's valuable. That one soul is valuable. The shepherd seeks to find it and to bring it back to the fold. Luke chapter 15, 1 through 9. And that's the way it is, you see, with, with sheep in general. I think sometimes this is neglected. We let it go. We know that they haven't perhaps been here in some time, you know, and, and we don't check on them. We don't go and find out, you know, what the problem is. Whether it's a spiritual problem, whether it's a physical problem, or, or some other kind of a problem that they might have. Sometimes that's neglected. You remember? You watch for their soul. And you must give an account. For their soul. Now if you go and you do what you possibly can. To bring them back. To get them in a right relationship with God again. You've done what the Bible teaches you to do. You can't force somebody. You can't make them do it. But you can encourage them. And bring them back to the fold. Just like this shepherd we're talking about here. If there's one missing. He goes and looks for that one. 99 are still present. You see, a good shepherd also knows the characteristics of a developing child of God. And, I, and let's encourage leaders to develop in members what Peter said each person really needs in order that they may make their election and their calling sure. Peter says in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, and temperance patience, Patience, godliness, and to godliness, brother kindness, and to brother kindness, love or charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you neither should be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things that is blind cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you'll never fall. Now, these are characteristics of a growing church or a growing uh, members of the church, that they will be doing this very thing. And I think it is in, in the, the necessity of leadership to see, and I mean they're going to teach all of this themselves, but to see that the people are being 
fed the right things so that they will grow. And they will flourish. Their faith will be stronger. That they will have a greater knowledge, you see, of the Word of God. The greater the knowledge, then the stronger the person is going to be. That they will have that patience. They will bear, be able to bear up under things that sometimes can be a burden. And come out on the other side even a better person. This is a means by which you're able to make your calling and election sure. And you'll be making members of the body of Christ, making their calling and election sure when they're adding these things to their lives. He sees to it that the sheep are led in these qualities and character. And also seeing to it that they are producing really the fruit of the Spirit. Nine things that uh, Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, that are the fruit of the Spirit. You oftentimes hear people say, fruits of the Spirit. It's not fruits, it's fruit. And there are nine elements that make up the fruit, you see, of the Spirit. And these things are, are vital to our growth, to our faithfulness, to our serving the Lord to the best of our ability. So great is the need also of young people who will be going off to college or university that they be grounded in the faith. And again, as leaders in a congregation, where there are young people, I know that families, you know, need to ground them too. But in the congregation of the Lord's church, there's means and ways that these young people can be grounded. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, been a long time now, I baptized a boy at camp, Short Mountain Bible Camp, several years ago. Baptized his daddy earlier than that. Restored his mother, or she became a restored person. And what I'm saying to this is, undoubtedly, he had not been really grounded, you know, in the, in the faith. He goes off to a university and he winds up in a, a class where there is a biology or something of that nature. Now he is an agnostic. Isn't that a terrible thing? Simply because maybe he was not really soundly or grounded, you know, in the truth of God's word. Leadership in a congregation, I think, need to think about that and think about young people who will be leaving the congregation and going out into a university or college or someplace. You never know, you see, what they're going to run into, especially out in the, the uh, uh, where it's not a Christian college or a university, where it's a public thing. You never know what they're going to run into, what they're going to be taught. They need to be grounded in the faith so that when they hear things that is not according to God's word or different, they won't fall for that and allow themselves, you see, to be overtaken in that kind of a fault. The psalmist also says this, He leadeth me in paths of righteousness, verse 3. Let me encourage leaders to lead in doing what is right. You as leaders are setting an example for a congregation, and I encourage you to do that on a regular basis. You do know you cannot drive sheep. And like I say, I've, I've, grandfather had sheep. I fool with sheep. I know something about them a little bit, you know, back in. You can't drive them. And you may try, but it's not likely you're going to get too far trying to drive them. Now you can get a dog and drive them, but not yourself. You try to drive them, and we've tried that when we was on farm. You try to drive them, and what happens is if there's an opening here, if there's an opening 
One chief starts through that, every one of them is going to go through it. They'll just follow the leader, you might say, and jump right through it. But you can lead them. You cannot drive them, but you can lead them. And if you try to drive, I think if leadership tried to drive, you see a congregation, the congregation will look for a way out. People will look for a way out because they don't want to be driven. They want somebody to lead them. Now, if the sheep know the shepherd, he can lead them anywhere he wants them to go. In the elder's case, in the spiritual sense. If they know the shepherd, you'll be able to lead them. Like I was talking about, you can't drive them, but I've seen my grandfather. He'd take a bucket, put some corn in it or something of that nature. He'd shake that bucket, every one of them would come running. And he could walk in front of them, and they'd follow him anywhere you see he wanted them to go. Anywhere. Because he was leading, you see, and not driving. You can lead, but you cannot drive. If you lead, they will, you see, follow. You're out in front leading, and that's where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be out in front of a local congregation leading. I encourage you to be in front of a congregation leading, not behind, you see, trying, you see, to drive. Notice John 10, verse 4. He says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, and goeth before them. Not behind them, but he says, He goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. They won't listen to a stranger. They won't listen to a stranger. But they'll listen to that shepherd because they know his voice. And you'll notice in this, he says that they, he goes before them. He's out in front. He is leading. And he's carrying them wherever it is that he wants them to go. And elders in a congregation or leaders in a congregation can lead the flock of God in the right way because they're trying to do right themselves. Let me encourage you as leaders to take care of the spiritual needs of the congregation. You lead and let deacons take care of the physical under your oversight. Under your oversight. You see, elders have the responsibility for the spiritual aspect of a congregation. You have deacons to serve under the elders so they take care of the physical things. And I think we have an example of that in Acts chapter 6. Let me encourage leaders to support each other. I think that's vital also, very vital. You may not always agree. When you come together and you have a meeting of some kind and you're discussing something or another, you know, that you may not always agree on everything. But when you leave a meeting, stand in agreement as long, of course, as it is scriptural we're talking about. We're not talking about something unscriptural, but as long as it is scriptural, stand together in that. Don't go home and say, I wasn't for that. And so forth. Stay here. Stay, uh, stay with what you decide in that meeting. And stay with it and agree on it. And stand up for one another. It's an often awesome responsibility that you have placed upon you to care for each individual member of a local congregation. I think it would be somewhat of a stressful thing in a lot of cases too. Because of the vast numbers that you have under you that you're over in a local congregation. Now, preachers working under a good leadership appreciate it so much. I've had the opportunity to work under leadership. I love working with leaders. I love working with elders. It makes my work so much easier. 
I let them, you know, in other words, I, I let them handle the problems and difficulties that might arise, but I'll help if I, if I can. If there's something I can do to help in some way, then I'll help. But I want to let them do that particular job themselves. In other words, I let leaders lead, and I try to tend to my work of preaching, you know, and teaching. Now let me close with a few things about encouraging preachers a little bit. Preachers need encouraging. They need encouraging. They labor in a congregation trying their best to teach and to preach lessons of balance. Positive, negative. Can't be negative all the time. Can't be positive all the time. It's got to be a combination of both. But there's a balance that we talk about. To uplift and sometimes, of course, to rebuke where it is needed. A congregation, if you have a good man, and I know you have a good man, Tony. A congregation that has a good man, you need to tell him how much you appreciate the lessons he brings each week. He spends hours preparing to teach the Word of God, to help instruct you, to help you grow in your faith, and develop according to God's Word. And I've heard it all, and you have too. Or sayings about preachers. They're just doing their job, right? That's what they get paid for. They only work one day a week. So what's the big deal? They don't have a real job. We pay them, so what are they complaining about? And the list goes on and on. It does. Look, it's more involved than you might think it is being a preacher in a congregation. Oh, yeah, we teach on Wednesday night, Sunday morning have a sermon, maybe teach a class on Sunday morning, have a, a Sunday night service, and sometimes people think, well, that's all he does. But there's a lot going on during the week. You need to appreciate that. You need to encourage him in his work. Let me encourage preachers to keep on keeping on, as Paul encouraged Timothy when he said, I charge thee before... God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who judge of quick and the dead, and his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering, that for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap teachers or heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of your ministry. Don't give up. Let me encourage preachers to be patient. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, you know, remember says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a, great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before. And that applies to all Christians, of course. But I want to encourage Preachers to be patient. Be patient. The word patient is explained as endurance. The word patience is a compound word. The first part of the word, hupo, if I pronounce that correctly, means under. And the other part of the word is mino, which means to abide. So it means to abide under. For preachers have trials. They have heartaches they, and burdens, you know, of life to bear, just like everybody else does in a lot of cases. But with patience... Preacher is empowered, you see, to endure. 
He'll bear up under those things. He'll keep on keeping on. He won't quit. And so I encourage you to bear up under those trials and heartaches and don't give up. Don't give up. Because reward, you see, is great. When we stay faithful, we stay true to the word, and we continue to preach that word. Let me encourage you to remember you are a servant of the Lord. You are a servant of the Lord. That's what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. And to serve the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who, have, who are taken uh, captive by him at his will. You are seeking to save those that are lost. That is a preacher's motive. If he has any other motive, then that's not good. His motive in teaching the word of God is to save those that are lost and to keep people saved that are saved. Let me encourage you about burnout. Pretty easy to get burned out. And I'm sure it's true with other people. Why? Sometimes because burnout, because there's too many demands a lot of times. Sometimes you burn out because you're thinking, am I productive? Am I getting anywhere? Maybe it is because of stress, you know, and pressure that is placed upon you sometimes as a gospel preacher. Let me encourage you to be aware of burnout. And if you feel it, if you feel it, take some time off. You need a vacation. You need to kind of recruit or regroup yourself, I guess you'd say, or recuperate yourself in some way. Come back refreshed and then pick up again and go. Let me encourage you to spend time with your family. We are notorious for neglecting our families. We spend time trying to save others when our families need it also. When they need it also. Preachers need to pursue godliness in their own lives. And a preacher needs time for his own spiritual growth. Let me encourage you, spend time for yourself. Yeah, I know you work for a congregation and you're trying to do what you can to encourage them, but you need it too. We need it as preachers. When we think about it, it is so important that we have good leaders that lead a, lead a congregation in the Word of God. Tonight, as we are here this evening, there may be those here tonight that have not yet obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's urgent. That is important. That a person would come and obey the truth of God's word. Put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you should die in your sins. John 8 verse 24. Without faith it's impossible to please God. But he that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is rewarded of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. So faith is important. But we must repent. We must repent. I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Time of ignorance, God winked it, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Must confess Jesus to be God's Son, as the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then upon that confession, then, to be immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, to be raised up then to walk, as the Bible says in Romans 6, 3 and 4, walk in newness 
of life. Maybe as a child of God, you have departed from the faith. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Repent of that. Acknowledge it. Ask God's forgiveness through prayer. He's always willing to forgive and to restore us back in a right relationship with Him. If you need to come, we encourage you to do so. While together we stand and while we sing.